Good morning, Woven. It's so good to see you, and you look beautiful today. And uh, I've anticipated this day for us to be reunited for the last three weeks. We've all been through a lot together. Uh, just a few housekeeping items that I want to touch on again. Once again, parents and even non-parents, but thank you for your patience. Uh, we decided to have a family worship together because with all of the transition and a lot of the craziness, we felt it would just be good for us to kind of live in some of the, you know, the excitement and some of the hubbub of family together. So um, thank you for your patience. We'll, we'll get the children's ministry again going shortly. Um, another thing is, yeah, we talked about woven groups. Paul talked about woven groups. Woven groups are basically smaller groups of people. In our church, we're meeting together, localized areas, and uh, we're going to have a big joint woven group gathering, potluck style. It's going to be a potluck at my house. I guess that's, that's not this coming Friday. Uh, help me out. It's this coming Friday. Okay, so it's this coming Friday at my house. It's this coming Friday at my house, and I don't live far from here. I live uh, up north in the Cinco Ranch area, so whether you are planning to be part of a small group or not, you're still welcome to attend. I think for us to just have a good community shindig is a good idea. So right now, if you can just look in your, in your bulletin, you'll see a yellow communication card about this big. And if you want to attend, then just indicate on the yellow communication card, I want to be at the, the woven group, the joint woven group party this Friday. And um, I will contact you. Make sure you leave an email address where we can reach you. And I'll, I'll send you my address and all the pertinent information. And we look forward to just having a good time together this Friday. So, oh, deep breath. You know, um, we're back together. And I think that there's nothing more that my community needs right now than the Word of God. Amen? I could talk about other things, I could talk about thematic studies, but right now, my people need a word from the Lord. And so, I've been studying the book of Ephesians, and we're starting a series today called Dear Woven. And this study through the book of Ephesians uh, has been elicited from several requests. I think a couple of people in the community have said, let's do Ephesians. And through my doctoral of ministry studies, I've actually started studying the book of Ephesians. Now, they say you need to read 10 commentaries in order to form an opinion. And I'm not quite up there yet, but I've been reading more and more commentaries. But there's one commentary that stood above head and shoulders for me. This is the one commentary I've actually enjoyed reading. Um, you know when a commentary cites The Walking Dead that it's got to be cool. And Mark Roberts, who wrote this, is my doctoral of ministry advisor and um, he wrote this commentary in Ephesians, and I'm going to be relying heavily on it, albeit with many other uh, commentaries as well, so that I can form an opinion. But we're starting this series now. That's why we're starting Ephesians. It coincides with my studies as well. And um, I'm going to dive right into it. So if you could look in your Bibles. Who has, a, who has their Bible today? A leather-bound Bible. It's not really in vogue anymore. I don't think a single person has it. We're all, we're all mobile device people, um, and I'm okay with that. But if you look in your Bible, or if you can pull up that first verse, Anthony, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, is that possible? 
because I, rec- I realized I didn't highlight it. Yeah. I'm going to dive right into it. Look, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Here you have a letter, and it's addressed from. And when you start a letter, a letter you'll start off by saying from so-and-so, addressed to. And Paul identifies himself. This is who I am. My job is as an apostle by the will of God. And it's in times like these, especially with storms and dislocations, and a lot of our people move here from other parts of the country. I know we have some people that just moved here from other parts of the country. And you move, and then you get hit by a storm, and you take in some water, and you're like, why am I here? You're here because God, by the will of God, He has not just called you to live in Texas but he has called you to be an apostle in your field and in your place of vocation. I believe every human being is called to a vocation. I don't mean called to a job. I mean called to some kind of identity and vocation. What that means is there's templates, I think, that go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where God said, you are a caretaker. You are a nurturer. You are a builder. You are an architect. You are a co-creator. Jobs don't always line up with vocations. You might have a job that's not really at the center of how God really called you and made you. But when your job, whatever it is that you do, whether it's as a teacher, as a homemaker even, as a mother, as a pastor, as an educator or whatnot, when that lines up at the heart of your larger vocation, you become, I believe, in my opinion, you become an apostle. You become an anointed one, one who has seen the Lord and can testify to the Lord where you are at. So friends, don't be discouraged. You're here in Houston, Texas for a reason. And when I opened up Time Magazine and I turned to the middle article, I didn't even realize it because it wasn't the front page. For some reason, Ellen DeGeneres made front page of that week. But then when I opened to the middle and I saw a double-page spread of Cinco Ranch and I said, oh my goodness, that's where I live. I realized this is where I'm called. Paul, an apostle, you are called when your job is lined up in the center of your vocation and your calling. You are an apostle to your marketplace, to your family, to your garden. And so Paul called by the will of God, and here's where it gets interesting. It says, to the saints. Now, in every letter, you have a from and then a to. And young children, have you learned this yet in elementary school, how to write letters? You've learned how to write form letters. From Zachy Rye. To Austin Park. Well, here's the two line. It says, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. To the saints who are at Ephesus. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to teach a little bit. When you look at your leather-bound Bible, which not a single person is carrying today because we are the tech generation, and I'm okay with that. But when you look at your Bible, 
it wasn't always like that. When you go back 2,000 years to the early church times, it wasn't one Bible leather-bound everything together. It was a collection of letters and books that were written on scrolls. And these different scrolls, every church had one, at least one. And so the church in Ephesus had one copy of this story and that story, and that scroll was read. Here's the thing. When we look at some of the oldest scrolls of this letter that we're reading today, it actually does not contain the words at Ephesus. It just says in the Greek, to the saints who are and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So this is a mystery. Some of the old copies of this letter don't say at Ephesus. And on top of that, some of the earliest church historians, when they talk about this letter, they don't call it the letter to the Ephesians. They actually just call it Paul's letter. Some historians even call it something else. They call it to the church at Laodicea. Okay, so at this point, we're wondering, can we trust the Bible? You can trust the Bible. This does not undermine the trustworthiness of the Bible. But what it does hint at, what it does hint at is the possibility that this letter we're reading was not just written to the Ephesians. It was meant to be written to all of the churches in the known world at the time. Some people believe that this letter was written to the saints at blank, and it was intended for the letter carrier to write in the name of every church that he visited. And this was a letter written to that, almost personalized to that community. To the church at Ephesus, to the church at Rome, to the church at Philippi, to the church at Laodicea, to the church at Woven. So I think it's very feasible for us to see that this is a letter written to us. That's why we're calling this series Hashtag Dear Woven, because this is a letter that we're going to take very personally. You ever hear that? Don't take it personal. No, take this personal, because this is written to us today. And even if that theory didn't hold, that this letter really was written to the Ephesians, its themes are so universal, it still speaks to us. We can take this personally still. Dear Woven. And so today, I'm going to talk and just start. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see the notes. Four headings. I'm not going to get through all of them. In fact, I want to do some exposition. I want to do some biblical exposition. We're not going to get out of verse 2 today. So we're going to stick with that first of four headings. And let me tell you those four headings if you look in your notes. The first heading is greeting. The second is blessing. The third is the scope of Ephesians. And the fourth is God's own possession. Today we're just going to talk about the greeting. And next week we're going to cover blessing, the scope, and possession. Those latter three headings. And I want to talk about the greeting today, and I'm not going to get out of the first two verses, but let me just say this. As we start this new series on Ephesians, Ephesians is going to rock your world. I believe you should take it personal. I believe it's going to speak to Woven directly. In fact, before the storm came to us here in Houston, there was already a storm brewing in the nation 
I don't know how many of you remember, but we had a lot of heavy stuff going on in our country involving pulling down of statues, involving people yelling past each other, and the race dialogue was gridlocked, and we were really just in a lot of turmoil. And the word alt gets thrown around a lot these days. You want to hear a truly alt message? Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. You want to hear a really alt message and a message for our times? Listen to this. For He Himself is our peace, who made both groups into one. And He broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in His flesh this enmity, this animosity, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in Himself He might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. Isn't that a timely message? When you have protesters on one side and protesters on the other side as far across as you can get, completely polarized, not listening to each other, no way to meet, no way to get together and say, you're my friend, I am your friend. But listen to this message. He makes us one. And Jesus came and preached peace to far away, to those who were politically far away, but also peace to those who were near. For through Him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. And then you listen to these words. Left, right, black, white, wherever you stand, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and of God's household. I am yearning for the day when we don't have people throwing Molotov cocktails at each other on this side or that side. I'm yearning for the day when somebody will get in the front with a megaphone and say we are one through the Spirit and the Father. Every race, every ethnicity, every nationality. And in this great country of mine that I live in, the USA, that we can stand as many different people, not just blended, but loving and appreciating our differences as one community. That's what makes my heart beat, friends. We're built on the foundation of the apostles. There's that word. Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone of this church. So, this is a truly alt message. And today, let's just get into the first heading, the greeting. The greeting. And before I dive into the greeting, I just want to share with you personally that this storm wrecked me emotionally. Our community went through a little bit of transition. We're still in transition. The leadership team and our staff and our location committee are having some serious talks right now. Just want to let you know that as a church, we are preparing to move into our next stage. And with that, seeing my, my, it's hard when, when you, when you just put your foot through your friend's wall. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard when you see their lives here in Texas. And I'm telling you guys, I, I, 
call me melodramatic, but I was, I was like under a cloud. I was a little depressed, and I'm sure you guys are too. And I'm feeling guilty because I'm like, why should I feel depressed? I mean, there's people that have gone through so much more than me. And maybe for you, through the last three weeks, there has been one thing. Maybe it was a smile, or maybe it was something you heard on the radio, or maybe it was just one encouraging word, or maybe one psalm. Do you remember what it was? That one thing that opened up the endorphins in your chest again, and it made you feel like, okay, we're okay. You felt the endorphins release, and you felt like, all right, this too shall pass. Or in the midst of it, you felt the endorphins release, and you felt the pleasure, and you said, okay, we'll get through this. We'll be okay. We'll be all right. There are two words in the greeting that are, for me, endorphins. Two words that when I think of it, that when Paul thinks about it, releases endorphins in your chest. And you know those two words in the greeting are grace and peace. Grace and peace. My beloved, I want to say to you, in fact, could we all say this together? Verse 2. Ready? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if there was one pastor of pastors and he sent a letter to Woven and in the midst of all that we've been through in the last three weeks and those are the only things he said, grace to you and peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, I think that would be enough. I'd burst out in tears. Listen to these words, grace and peace. That word grace, it's an interesting word. In the Greek, it's charis. Let's learn some Greek. Say charis. And some people name their children charis these days. That's, from, that's Greek for grace. Charis. And the interesting thing about this word charis is that when Paul starts his letter, he starts it with the word charis. His greeting is charis. And when you typically back then, Greek letters didn't start with the word charis. They started with a different word, kyrene. Kind of sounds similar, right? Kyrene. Kyrene means greetings, greetings to you. And we see this in different parts of the Bible in Acts 23 to the most excellent governor Felix, kyrene, greetings. Or in James 1 to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings, kyrene. Now, let's try this. I'd like for you to turn to your neighbor and look at them and say greetings to you. Or even try kyrene to you. Don't be shy. Greetings to you. Greetings to you. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. That's not what Paul says. He doesn't say greetings to you. He says grace to you. And they're grammatically, they sound similar. Even in the English, in the Greek, instead of saying kyrene, he opens up his letters with charis or, right, charis. And it's a play on words, kyrene, charis, subtly shifting it to convey not just a greeting, but grace to you, grace to you. So now I'd like you to turn to each other, and instead of saying greetings to you, say that little subtle different, different word, grace to you. Try it out, grace to you. Grace to you. Now that's kind of neat. 
Does that feel different when you say to your neighbor, grace to you? What does it mean, grace to you? I'm extending grace to you. Well, for Paul, it meant a lot. And any of you who've read through Paul's writings, you know that for him to say, hey, grace to you, it's not just something he throws out there. It's his entire worldview packed into one word, grace. I wish I could give you everything. When I see my people Sunday after Sunday, I pray, God, what can I say to help them and encourage them? Can you take care of them? Can you build them up? I wish I could give all of everything inside of me and package it and give it to you in one G-R-A-C-E, five-letter word. And that's what Paul does, grace to you. In fact, six other letters that he writes all contain the exact same words in the same exact order. Grace and peace to you in our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. And I'm not going to talk at length about Paul's theology of grace because you know what? We're going to get into that. But I'll tell you what. Maybe you remember when you were living kind of crazy. Maybe when you were younger, you did whatever you wanted. And then a light shone from heaven. You didn't get pulled off of your horse. You were thrown down from above. And you look back with a little bit of shame, with a little bit of guilt. Man, the boy I was, the girl I was, the man I was previously. But then you realize, but I can stand today because of the grace of God. I wasn't a good man. I wasn't the best human being. But today I stand by God's grace. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But I want to talk about the second word. This is cool too. Paul says, grace to you, and you've all conveyed grace to one another. You've said grace to you, right? But there's a second word. He says, peace, peace to you. And this word peace in the Greek, irene, it has this, it's, 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 it's kind of like for me being Korean-American, there are some words that I feel like, like deep in my gut, like Han or jang, or kimchi jjigae, or something like that, that I want to translate into English, but I can't find the best, like, spicy cabbage soup. doesn't capture that feeling for me that's like, oh, deep in my gut. And I think the word peace, irene, is kind of like that, spicy cabbage soup. No, it's spicy cabbage soup. And for Paul, when he uses this word irene, it's filled with this deep, all the contents of this mishmash soup that's called shalom. Shalom. And behind the, the Greek word, that light Greek word, irene, there's this deep theological idea, shalom. Who knows what shalom means? It's like a hippie word, shalom, shalom, peace. You know what shalom means? I'll tell you what it means. I think this is, this is Wayne's lexicon, Hebrew lexicon. Shalom is what you, it's like, okay. How many of you marked yourself safe on Facebook during the storm? I marked myself safe like on day one, a little pre, <laughs> premature. It's like, I'm safe. When you say that I am safe, you're communicating to the rest of your readership who are hanging on your every word on Facebook, right? What are you communicating to them? What are you telling them? I'm whole. 
I'm intact. I'm okay. I'm not harmed. I'm peaceful. I'm not threatened. I'm safe. I'm peaceful. Shalom means all of those words that I've just described. The Hebrew idea of shalom, straight from the lexicon, means to, from the dictionary, it means to be whole, to be intact. Do you have shalom, my friend? No, I'm in five different pieces, lying on, I'm not in, no, I'm whole, I'm intact, I'm complete, I'm sound, my body and my life and my possessions and everything is well, I have well-being. Shalom is this complete idea of are you at peace in everything? Is your world in peace? One commentator says, we call it peace, but it means a lot more than just peace of mind. In the Bible, shalom, it talks about universal flourishing. It talks about wholeness and delight a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied, natural gifts fruitfully employed. It's a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as the Creator and Savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures whom He delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way everything should be. So, friends, how many of you have friends that are Arab or Muslim? And have you ever heard the phrase, "Assalamu alaikum? And does anybody know what it means? Assalamu alaikum, yes, sir. Peace be unto you. That's exactly correct. That is derivative also from the Hebrew language that says it a little bit different, not assalamu alaikum, but in Hebrew, shalom aleichem. Shalom aleichem, which if I translate that, it means wholeness, intactness, peacefulness, shalom, al means unto, chem means y'all. Peace unto you all. In other words, <laughs> the last three weeks, especially during the storm, when you wake up in the morning at 9 a.m. and you check your text mess, you check your phone and you've, you're lit up by like 75 text messages and everybody's saying, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Right? I'm like, you have 50 messages to respond to. I'm okay. Shalom, shalom, shalom. You should just say shalom, shalom, shalom because essentially the question that's being asked is shalom aleichem. Do you have peace? Are you whole? Are you okay? And when we start Facebook groups, so that we can check on each other and say, is everybody shalom aleichem? And so this word shalom, it talks about not just, I'm feeling okay today. It's talking about, is your world okay? It's this old, it's almost this old world feeling. It's like when I go to Demasi's or when I go eat Mediterranean and there's my, there's my, there's my Middle Eastern friend there and uh, he says, eat, eat. And he always calls me my friend. He calls me his, I didn't know I'm your friend. But there's this old world feeling about that. Shalom is like that. It's like this thing where my friend, welcome into my tent. Is there peace with you? Yes, there's peace. May peace be upon your tent as well, my friend. And so, turn to your neighbor. 
and say that word. Peace to you, or shalom, with all the weight of that word, of those words. And you can hear, well, you just hear the words shalom, but behind that, the heaviness of, I really hope, I want you to be whole, I want you to be safe. And so, friends, I'm going to wrap up this talk today with that. We didn't get out of the second verse because there's so much. You know, look, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, this is somebody that knows his vocational identity and his job lines up with that. Now, at times, as a tent maker, it gets redefined, but at the heart, he knows that he's an apostle. Apostles of Jesus Christ in all of your fields, at home, in your calling as nurturers, as gardeners, as caretakers. In Jesus' name, you are apostles. You know your identity. Grace and peace to you. With everything in my heart, grace, shalomness, and peaceness to you. In our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to share one last story. And with that, I'm going to conclude and ask you to turn to each other and trade those words, grace and peace to you, okay? So we're going to finish that today's service, but one last story. This was about, I don't know, three or four days after the flood. And we had, I had been busy, you know, getting my hands dirty, as, just as all of you were. And my wife, she said, I think it was my kids too, they said, we want um, pho, we want Vietnamese noodles. So I said, okay. So, you know, I was kind of still a little dirty, and uh, I got in the car, I drove down to, I think it's the Pho Saigon, that's the one we always go to on Mason Road. And something happened when I was there. Um, somebody pulled up at the same time that I pulled in. How can I say this lightly? <laughs> uh, and this was somebody from the previous church where I had worked at. And I knew that we had um, locked heads at times. And I knew that I had made mistakes, so don't get me wrong. I knew that I made mistakes. I knew that as a leader, I, I, and I'm still learning today. And I knew that when we left, when, when Woven was planted and we left the Korean church to plant this multi-ethnic church, there were people that were not happy with me. And I know that this man was not happy with me. And we walked in almost at the same time, and I had to say hello. And he also said hello. And I asked him, were you shalom? Were you whole? Were you intact? And were you safe? And he told me no. He told me he took in water and that he didn't have flood insurance. So... Him and his helpers, and he had a small group of people, and they sat down to eat. They ordered their food, and I was actually doing takeout. And we did some small talk. And then I got up and I went 
and I turned my back to them, and I went up to the register, and I said, I just, I, I just, just pay for their meal, and I just wanted to cover their bill. And then on the way out, he said, did you pay for our meal? And I said, no. And he said, did you just lie? And I said, yes. And then I told him, friend, and I looked at him and his wife, and I said, I love, I said, I love you. And I'm really, really sorry for your loss. And I said to his wife, I love you. And they looked at me and they said, they said, um, the flood has really brought us all back together, hasn't it? And I look back and I, and I think, you know, that guy, he really wasn't that bad. He was really a sweet guy. He showed me a lot of kindness. And you know what? I don't remember the bad. I only remember the good. Because shalom... I want peace to be to him. I want grace to be to him. Friends, turn to one another, and with all of that meaning, as meaningful as you can, turn to your neighbor and say, grace and peace (laughs) unto you. Look, I'm your pastor. I got to make you guys laugh, all right? If you're not laughing, you're crying, okay? So do it exactly like that. Grace and peace (laughs) unto you. Give him your best magnum. Lead us, Bobby. Lead us. This has been a Woven Church podcast. Woven Church is a multi-ethnic missional church that meets in West Houston, We invite you to check us out on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. To find out more, visit us online at www.wovenchurch.org. That's www.wovenchurch.org.